Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for October has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. So I'm here this week with David Sparks, uh, also known as Max Sparky. How you doing, David? Hello, Mr. Terpstra. A pleasure to be on your show. Um, it, it is a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we've been working together lately. Uh, you and I co-authored the 60 Mountain Lion Tips book that has uh, recently been available on the iBookstore. And yes. uh, among others, you have also written iPad at Work and uh, a top seller called Paperless. And uh, and you run the Mac Power Users podcast. And you're a pretty prolific content creator in addition to a day job. Yeah, I am. I, I really love doing this stuff. I can tell. It shows. I had a friend say to me who's a, a, a lawyer friend who didn't know about you know the alter ego. And I recently got turned on to our podcast and he started listening to the show. And now when I meet with him, he always wants to talk about the most recent show. And he said, I don't understand how you can do that show every week you know how you can how you can get by and do everything else and my response to him was i don't know how i could get by if i didn't do the show every week because it's just such a great outlet for me i enjoy it so much i'm the same way there's really never been a point in my uh working career that i haven't had side uh pursuits that were uh content related i guess I would, well, you know what they, they say, if you want to get something done, you find a busy person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yeah. uh, when we did that book together, we were both really busy and we managed to get it done anyway. So that, that was cool. I'm always, uh, I'm always amused by the people who write me and say, I know you're a really busy guy. And, uh, and the fact is if I were so busy, I couldn't read emails. I wouldn't be reading their email anyway. So yeah, I do read emails. I enjoy them actually. Except for the ones that complain about free software and yell at me. Come on. Yeah. Some people do get angry. I get I get some strange emails once in a while and yeah, I just I just archive them. I don't bother responding. I, I you know, Merlin's got great advice. Don't argue with people on the internet. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. Like I, I love constructive criticism and uh and to some extent uh feature ideas, but yeah, outright uh annoyance and anger toward someone who gave you something for free that is um uncalled for yeah but it happens so rarely people are so polite most of the time oh absolutely it's and it's amazing to me because you hear from people all over the world who you know something you do makes their life a little better and boy that's like my wheelhouse when i feel that i'm i'm ready to go and do more yeah, absolutely. I've been offered beers in just about every country that serves beer, and uh, and it's it's it is what keeps me going. It's it's what uh, what drives me to share what I create. I'll probably yeah. always create that stuff, but putting it out there. If I hadn't, if if I had a, a majority negative reaction, obviously I wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And the the reaction to our book has been uh, been very polite and kind as well yeah people are digging it you know i the 60 tips that's stuff that you know helps you just sort it out right you know because you're running the mac and you're really busy and if you just get a little something out of it you know i 
I'm not, you know, I guess I'm the salesman too much, but it's, you know, it's 12 cents a tip for 60 tips for seven bucks. So I bet you're going to find a couple in there that are worth it. And I don't know about you, but I definitely, I learned 30 of those tips weren't mine. And I learned from almost all of them. And there was, uh, it was a great uh, collaborative experience. I think there's something, something, something came out of it that would, uh, that would suit just about any Mac user. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like doing stuff with people that, that I dig. And that's why it was so much fun doing that book with you. Ah, thanks. I feel the same about you. Mutual admiration society. (laughs) So, so, uh, as you mentioned, your, your day job is legal related. Um, yeah. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. How many other professions are legal related that aren't being a lawyer? You'd be surprised. Really? Yeah. I suppose there's, yeah. yeah. I can leave a few off the top of my head, but I actually don't know what the uh, professional titles for them are. But we'll okay. You're a the less lawyer. you know about that stuff, you're, the better off you are. Honestly, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, all right, so you're a lawyer, which means you probably have a pretty stressful schedule during the day to begin with. Is that uh, you know, accurate? Yes and no. Really, I you know I drive a Subaru. I'm not a. Um, there's different kinds of lawyers, and there's some that just very much do nothing but eat, drink and sleep, you know, their profession and they're in the office every weekend and they work really long hours. And uh, very early in my career, I knew I didn't want to do that. I don't know if it was, um, I don't really, I don't really know if I could put my finger on the reason why. I mean, I, I piled through undergrad and law school. I didn't take any breaks. I graduated I uh, I worked in the federal district court as an extern for a judge, so I, I had a lot of experience to a lot of really good lawyers, and I really enjoy it, but I've always had a sense of perspective about what I do, and from the very beginning, I knew I didn't want to be one of those 80-hour-a-week, you know, crazy people. So the very first job I took at law school was in a firm where they didn't expect me to bill a lot of hours, but instead they just wanted me to win. And they gave me a lot of free reign. And, you know, I was a big debater in college and I wanted to try cases. And I went to a place where I got to do that. Um, As a result, I I do have a lot of stress at work. I guess you would say stress, but I kind of treat that the same way I treat my Max Sparky stuff. It's just stuff I enjoy doing with people I enjoy working with. So, it's not that stressful for me, you know, and, and I deal with crazy lawyers on the other side sometimes and judges and clients like every lawyer does, but I just have always had a a real sense of balance about my life. So it's really never bothered me that much. You know, I don't make the really super big bucks doing it, you know, the way I do it, but I'm very happy with, I like the work I do. I like the people I help. And, um, I don't know. I'm a weirdo among lawyers. I'll, I'll say that much. Would you say then that uh, stress in uh, in a day job is really a matter of personal choice? Um, well, I think it's something, it's a signal, right? If you're doing something where you're always stressed out, maybe you need to be listening to that. Yeah. No, I. You know, another thing I do, I never really talk about this on podcasts, but anyway, you know, I'm a meditator. I have a, a, medita- a mindfulness meditation practice, and I think that helps me too. I referred to uh, to something along those lines in an earlier podcast, as uh, as was pointed out to me. Hippie crap. Yeah, well, um, that's that's me right there. Is 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 what you do? And I don't mean to pry, but is what you do? Would you consider it like 
the road to enlightenment or is it more of a health regime? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I attended a Zen center for a while and I just, you know, with my life and my commitments, I didn't really have the time to really, you know, bite in full force. But I learned the Zen meditation mind, mindfulness practice. Uh, since then, I've kind of adjusted a little bit. Um, and uh, I do listen to like the um, some of the, the Dharma talk uh, podcasts once in a while, but I, I wouldn't consider myself like a full on Buddhist uh, but the, uh, I do like, uh, that meditation practice. In fact, when I go through periods where I get really busy and I don't have time to sit in the mornings, it, it, I think it, it throws me off my game. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't look at it. I guess to answer your question though, I, I don't look at it like a, as a path to enlightenment so much as a way to connect with my own body and my mind. And it, what it really gives me is a bit of a pause between, you know, action and reaction. I don't. It's kind of hard to you know get all hippie about this stuff, but well, see, it's, it, it's a te- it's a practice that works for me. What you're saying right now, I I can buy into. Like that's that's not this uh, like crystals in the corner of the room kind of stuff that yeah. never quite has clicked for me. Um, no, but that stuff like finding that connection for me right now, it's uh, I'm working just to quiet my brain down for a while. Well, and that's all really what a mindfulness meditation is, is, I mean, for years when I started it, it just blew me away constantly how just to sit there and say, okay, quiet your brain right now and see how long you can last. See if you can last five seconds without (laughs) thinking about something because (laughs) that mind is a a brain is an unruly organ. And uh, so the ability to, to observe yourself and, and participate in this a little more forcefully is is a good thing i I don't know it's i don't know how i even got on this track brett i did it to you it's all my fault you're such a good interviewer look what you're doing (laughs) i've opened you up yes um uh it's weird because see now i'm gonna go off on a sidetrack and we're gonna forget this part of the conversation but i've been told like people that watch me do uh interviews for like uh at wwdc and things they, they're like, wow, you're you're really good. You got them to say stuff that I wouldn't even have thought to ask. And I I don't I don't know how or why I do that, but I do get people talking about things they don't normally publicly mention. Yeah, well, I'm not really hung up on the meditation thing. I just it just doesn't really fit into a Mac Power user. Sure, podcast, sure. Know? It's it's not that I get anyone's deep yeah. dark secrets. Yeah, I just uh, explore areas that other people, I guess, don't bother asking about yeah what's funny though is i never ask the obvious questions like i'll i'll talk to someone on the phone for the first time in like five years an old friend whatever and uh and i'll tell my mom about it you know a weekend later and she'll be like oh so how are they doing with this and and did they do this and i never know an answer to a single question that a normal person would ask like are they married i don't know do they have kids i don't know (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I don't ask any of that stuff. I get off on, they say one thing that sparks interest for me, and that's what I follow. I don't remember to ask the everyday questions. Interesting. There was That was my sidetrack, and I actually right. remember that we were previously talking about meditation, and that came from talking about your day job, and I'm going to bring it full circle. So, how do you balance... You talked about how you wouldn't survive 
your day job without having your secondary outlets or, or maybe primary outlets, depending on how you look at it. But how do you how do you find that balance? How do you juggle um, like a, a legal career with uh, kind of the very productivity uh, tip oriented workflow blogging that you do? Well, you know, there's a lot of um, intermingling of those two because a lot of the need become more productive and find workflows that work for me is arising from the fact that, you know, I'm slaying dragons in the day, day job. So a lot of the stuff that I do during the day gives rise to ideas for show topics or posts on the website or even books, you know. I mean, the paperless book arose out of the fact that I needed to figure out paperless for myself. Um, so I think there is, uh, it, it, you know, these things work together, which is great. Um, but, you know, I, I, I gave a long interview for Command uh, Space uh, about just, you know, how hard some of this stuff is. And, and the, my story really hasn't changed. It is difficult when you start getting into this stuff and you start getting in deeper, managing essentially two careers at once. And when I first started Max Barkey, I'd said, okay, I'll spend 15 minutes a day making a nerdy blog that nobody will read. And now, I mean, there's books and podcasts and public speaking and, you know, all these things going out of it. It's gone way beyond 15 minutes a day. And how do you do that responsibly when you have a day job and you need to, you have commitments there and you have kids and you have commitments there and you have a marriage that you'd like to keep and, you know, all the things that, in life you need. And the good news for me is this stuff just didn't happen overnight. It has happened gradually over many years. So I've just always been refining and always paying attention to what I'm doing and trying to make good choices. I don't always make good choices, but I try. And, um, and I make a lot of mistakes along the way, but I'm able to correct and recognize that. But, you know, I, I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, one of the, the things I talk about a lot is saying no, and that to me is a really big deal. I think it was a big hurdle for me. So that's something I can't really shut up about now is that you have mm -hmm. to say no to a lot of stuff. If you really start feeling passionate about things, it becomes easier to say no about other things. Right. Well, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Who said that? I I'm got not that sure. from somebody. Yeah. But yeah, every time every time you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Um, yeah, it kind of yeah. Once you uh, once you can step back and look at the larger picture about you know what you're passionate about and what you just feel obligated to do. There's yeah. a definite. So do you sleep like yeah, I, regularly on a schedule? Yeah, I sleep great. You know, I mean, I uh, I try to get seven hours of sleep a night, sometimes more. You know, I go to bed pretty early and I wake up really early. And by the evening, I'm just a wreck. So <laughs> it's okay. I mean, we're recording this show. Uh, it's uh, almost 8 o'clock Pacific for me. And it's 10 so, o'clock here. So I'm a little loopy, right? So who knows what I'm going to say before it's over. But but I get up early and I have a good day. And, you know, I, uh, I, I make as many mistakes with all this stuff as anybody else, probably more in terms of, being over optimistic about how much I'll get done in a day and getting at the end and feeling like, you know, you know what, because I didn't get 10% of what I wanted done. And yeah, I make all the mistakes routinely. Yeah. I, uh, I only ask because I've been really working at, uh, at, uh, getting more scheduled rest 
lately. And, and my solution to balancing work and all of my extracurricular stuff has always been to just skip sleeping. Yeah. Well, you're going to kill yourself that way. Absolutely. I realized I am, I am on a, a road to sure destruction. And, well, I mean, uh, yeah, and if you look at the studies, I mean, people have heart problems and all these things related to lack of sleep. You yes. got to take care of yourself. And they say that you can never make up for uh, missed sleep. Yeah, like it piles up and it just takes years off the end of your life. And uh, so I've been working on that. Uh, it was uh, Sean Blanc suggested that I would do better with uh, a schedule. Like, have you tried a nap? I take a nap every day. Yeah. I never miss my nap. I'll miss an entire night of sleep, but I won't miss my 20-minute nap. Yeah. I See, that's something I could do better at. Um, you know, everybody talks about the benefits of a nap. And I think in the late afternoon, if I had taken a nap at lunchtime for 20 minutes, I probably would do a lot better after 4 o'clock than I currently do. Well, but, uh, I, I can attest to the fact that I don't make it through an afternoon like, if I don't take a nap, I get crabby, irritable, and my attention span just drops to zero. It, it's tough for me, though, culturally, though. I work in a, in a law firm, right? So what are you going to do? You can't just, like, fall asleep at your desk. Mm. And so sometimes I'll go down and get in my car and drive to, like, a dark spot <laughs> in the structure and lay down. But then, there, I don't know. It's tough for me to, to make that work. But I should get better at that. I'll tell you what. If you start getting seven hours of sleep, I'll figure out a way to take a nap. I'll let you know. Okay. I've done well this week. I was going to tell you though, and I used to have a job last time I worked in an office. I, uh, I was an art director and we had a little photo studio and I would just sneak off every right after lunch, uh, maybe like an hour and a half after lunch, I'd get back and I would sneak off into the photo studio and turn off all the lights and leave the door three inches ajar and I'd nap right there on the floor. Like this started a long time ago. That was like ten years ago. You know what I need? I need one of those George Costanza nap desks. Did you ever see that? I didn't watch enough Seinfeld. Uh, he he built in a like a little nap thing under his desk. It's awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I'm gonna send you a picture if I can find one. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little nap thing. It's called an adjacent bedroom. Yeah. You should get one in your office. They're really handy. There you go. <laughs> so what were we going to talk about again? <laughs> I think we were going to talk about Shutterstock.com. Yeah, exactly. Because we're at that that 20-minute mark. I think that's a great thing to talk about. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so Shutterstock.com has over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. If you're looking for images for your website or blog... A print ad, trade show, swag, or even apps, Shutterstock is the way to go, with over 10,000 new images added each day. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection. You can find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Whatever fits your needs, you never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that, too. Download any image in any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, just take them. They make it easy to curate and share pictures via lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own lightbox as you search. They even have an iPad app for all of this. If you like an image and you want to run it on print or swag for your trade show, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. 
They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips that can come in handy. Need help or have questions? You get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any question, and they also have 24-hour support during the week. Go to Shutterstock.com and sign up for free, no credit card needed. Get 30% off any package once you find the images you like and decide to purchase. Use the offer code DANSENTME10. So, head on over to Shutterstock.com and find the images you've been looking for today. I have noticed... Uh, I'm, I'm back now, David. Um, yeah. I have noticed that my Minnesota accent... Like, I moved to Minnesota from Michigan, which has as far as I'm concerned, like the standard of uh, like newscaster Midwest accent. And uh, I got here and everyone talked funny and I've really picked that up. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There was a word I just said. It was like, uh, maybe it's your, instead of saying your, I say your. It's just weird. I don't know. I hear myself talking. It's tough to lose those things too. Yeah, it really is. My um, mom was from Whitensville, Massachusetts, and moved out here in World War II. You know, so she'd been here a long time in Southern California. She never got rid of her Massachusetts accent. She was a Yankee right until mm-hmm. the day she died. And uh, and if you got her around anybody from, you know, New England, it was even worse. I believe that. Yeah, I pick up accents. I travel like I spent my uh, my college age years were a little bit nomadic. And I picked up a Boston accent. I picked up a Southern accent. You know, like, I picked up a whatever you call the accent they have in Seattle. Yeah. Like a week there. And I was talking. I had, yeah, I just picked up. I didn't know they had an accent there. It's kind of, I can't actually remember the pronunciation of certain words that struck me as, like, the, like, upper Pacific accent. But it's there. Have you, now, how far are you from Minneapolis? About two hours south. Yeah, I, I had a case there several years ago. So I had uh, three days of deposition in Minneapolis. And, uh, man, it was cold. It was like middle of January. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, they got those tunnels in the buildings downtown. Yep. The that, covered tunnels. Above or below? The skyways? Yeah, the skyways. Yeah. So I got there. It was like negatives something below zero which for someone who grew up in southern california is not even fathomable (laughs) and so i i literally went from the airport to the cab the cab to the hotel and then for three days i was traversing the the skyways of minneapolis to get to different buildings to take these depositions so we get to the last day and i just i crushed it right you know that's the new word right crushed it did i get that right is that the right context okay so i'm feeling like i'm like king of the world. So I look outside, there's nobody. I mean, even the homeless people sleep in those mm-hmm. skywalks. And I'm like, well, you know, I got to walk outside because, you know, I'm going to be on an, on an airplane in a couple hours. And then I've been here. I haven't been outside. So I walked like a block outside. And man, oh my, I couldn't believe it. I mean, <laughs> I, I have no ability to cope with that cold. I don't know how you do it. What's your temperature right now? Um... I think it's oh, right now at eight o'clock at 66 degrees. Wow. It's 32 right now here. Yeah. And this is only October. Yeah. But yeah, it gets 20 below. And, and uh, like for me, the, the bottom, the bottom like, uh, uh, temperature I can handle is the point where my nose hairs freeze when I walk outside. 
Yeah, that's not right. Like, yeah, I, I, at that point, I'm like, I really should not be living in the upper Midwest. But the rest of the time, like, I really enjoy this 34, 35 degree weather. This is, it's brisk. It's fun. I can wear long johns. I do like long johns. Um, but anyway, where were we? Wow, that was, that was a trip. Um, I was going to ask you, um, about, Markdown, actually. All right. Did Let's you happen to see an article this week uh, on Coding Horror about uh, a Markdown spec? Yes. What you what, What's your reaction to that? Did you read it? Um, well, I don't really understand what the big deal is. Um, you know, there is an alternative already. In fact, uh, Mac Drifter, Gabe Weatherhead, wrote exactly what I was thinking. Which was? Why don't we just use multi-markdown? Yes. Um, see, for me, like, we have a spec. You know, we have this basic, uh, what Gruber originally put out there. And it's, it's it always has been the center of all markdown derivatives. Yeah. And everyone has conformed to it. And nobody changes the the base spec like you can always count on your italics and bold and inline and reference links and quotes and code and everything to function the same way people have only extended it and i think that fletcher penny with multi markdown has really done a a great job of extending the um the spirit of markdown without trying to add a whole bunch of syntax that doesn't fit like it's all very well thought out yeah. And yeah, so I don't know. And I've 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 spoken with a couple people that w- I guess I don't I don't understand exactly what uh what the uh the impetus is. Everything seems to be working really well to me. Yeah, and it seems like Markdown is really growing. Um you know, I I've talked to, I think you and I have even talked about this before. You know, Markdown started out as an as a way to simply write for the web mm-hmm. and be readable by humans. But the best thing that ever happened to Markdown was iOS, where you've got uh, an application or, or a, a software platform that doesn't really do a very good job of supporting RTF. And as a result, you've got all these text editors. I mean, this influx of text editors. <laughs> and... You know, people want to get that formatting across to, you know, from their text editor to their Mac and back for, back and forth. And then you've got things like iCloud or Dropbox where now it's easy to sync these text files, but you still want to get your formatting in. Markdown's the perfect solution for that. It really is. And it, it really breathed new life into Markdown. And so there's, I don't know what the percentages are. I don't think anybody really is really can know but my guess is that maybe more than half the people that are using markdown aren't using it to write for the web they're just using it as a way to put formatting into text they want to bounce around and those people sometimes have needs for things that go beyond the basic web tools that the group are built and uh, for those people there's multi-markdown and it and it does the job quite nicely it does and uh and fletcher's always had an eye out toward uh multi-format output yeah. Um, not just uh, not just HTML, and I mean I write uh, my my app marked is it, it really is only for Markdown. I mean that's the only reason you would buy it. Yeah. Um, 
whether you're learning it or you're you know uh, really good at it and you want to preview what you're going to put on github whatever it's only for people who want to use markdown or a derivative and i can tell you that i get requests daily for new output formats um that people that aren't just writing for the web in fact yeah i would say 50 percent yeah, you would know better than anybody really because you're on, you're on the business end of this thing right and and based on based on the requests i get and obviously i can't account for every user or create like actual uh like statistic uh statistics for the actual usage of the app but i really like based on the support requests that i field it is it's, it's a very large number of people that are actually using markdown to create uh corporate mailings uh pdfs doc uh doc files that are shared with other employees and it's a there's a ton of use in educational fields where professors are creating their syllabi and everything using markdown and recommending students take notes in markdown it's a great note-taking like it's just so simple to to mark up and write as you go and essentially you're just typing plain text right it's perfect for note taking. Um, and uh, yeah, I see it all over in every field and very little of it is actually geared toward say blogging or web content. I do everything in Markdown really. I mean, I, as an attorney, I write my billings in Markdown. Um, I, I take notes in Markdown. I use your fantastic NB alt that's full of Markdown for me. And it's just a, it's just become the way I write. Well, and we we talk a lot about how it's future proof. Yeah, and and it is uh, for the most part. Um, I've been having some internal struggles lately, but I'll detail those more on my own blog. Um, but uh, like I have found that with a little, you have to understand regular expressions and scripting to really make it useful. But you can take these markdown files literally anywhere. Because it is just plain text, and yeah. uh, I think I think a lot of people get hung up uh, because they don't know how to use a basic regular expression search and replace, and I I don't think that's standard knowledge for even the average power user. Regular expressions are kind of a voodoo mystery for most people. Um, yeah, well, can, it comes with so much overhead to learn it. I mean, I I am certainly a novice at it just because I don't have a day or two to throw at it. I've spent years learning it. Yeah. And that's why we all love you so much, Brett, because, you know, <laughs> really, how much of this stuff that you do arises from your knowledge of regular expressions and the simple scripting stuff you do? I well, mean, so how, much, how of much of my knowledge of regular expressions, though, arose from my need to do these things. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle it, but I mean, it's just you bring so much to the community because you've trod that path. Well, yeah. And I, I wasn't. I wasn't, I didn't take offense to that at all. I yeah. just, I just think that, uh, the reason that I know how to do this is because I had to figure it out the first time I needed to do it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, totally. And then from there I just developed and I don't know, things like if I couldn't take apart other people's work, if there weren't pioneers in all of these fields already, I don't, I don't know that I would understand half of what I do now. I probably would figure out, figure it out eventually. But I put my stuff out there because I assume that people will take it apart the same way that I took everything apart to figure out how to do what I do. 
Yeah, any, anything I've ever done of any success in AppleScript, I'd like to say it's from all the books and classes I've taken <laughs> on AppleScript, but at the end of the day, it comes down to me finding someone who scripted something similar before and sometimes improving it and a lot of times just completely ripping it off. Yeah, I, I, I over-trope a lot of... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> me too. And now, There's uh, somebody that should get a lot of drinks. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> in fact, I think... I'm pretty sure he was with Michael Schechter a couple weeks ago. Can't prove that. I just remember a, a tweet. Um, but I believe they were getting beers for each other. Excellent. Um, who's the guy who does all the iTunes Apple scripts? Doug. Doug. Doug's Apple scripts. Those are great. I've learned a ton from those. Yeah. yeah. Doug scripts. So, um, I'm going to... Wow. Did you see that train of thought? It just like yeah, we're we're Ooh. kind of blowing our plan, aren't we? We were going to be so efficient. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do sponsor too because then I think our our top three picks, all right, are going to take uh, take a little extra time because we have some uh, some back and forth on those. All right, let's so, do it. So let's talk about Lynda.com. Lynda.com is an online learning company with more than 77,000 video tutorials that teach software, creative, and business skills. You can learn anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Save and prioritize courses in your queue for whenever you're ready to watch, tracking your progress in each. You can learn on the go with their optimized mobile site or with the free iPhone and iPad app for members. They've got it all from bite-sized tutorials to comprehensive courses in web design, programming, design, photography, business, audio, and video, 3D, and animation. With new courses added every week, the training library keeps pace with today's fast-changing technical and software skills. Memberships start at $25 per month and provide unlimited 24-7 access to top-quality video courses taught by expert instructors with real-world experience. Try lynda.com free for seven days by visiting lynda.com slash five by five. That was awesomely short. Yeah, you know, lynda.com has a really good course on regular expressions, somebody told me. I'm thinking about signing up just to, to watch it. I advise it. I think for anyone who ever moves outside of Microsoft Word, for anyone who does anything in any application capable of handling regular expressions should take advantage of it. They're the most powerful part of, of a scripter's uh, kind of vocabulary, if you will. I'd love to see you do some screencasts on it I, in, in your free time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be willing to try to explain what I've learned in my haphazard way. You should. Yeah. Screencast. Like when I started this podcast, people seemed to think that I was going to do like um, audio versions of how to program stuff. Yeah, that that would work really well. No, not at all. Really? <laughs> I'm just oh. kidding. It's like we tried once on Mac Power Users to talk about Apple Script, and it it was it got ugly really fast. Yeah, you really need to see code. Yeah. To understand code, at least I do. Yeah, I think anybody does. This is a podcast are a great medium for a lot of things, but to, to teach how to run a a computer, not so much. Yeah. So we have, uh, two sets of top three picks. 
uh, yours and mine, and there's some overlap, uh, at least functionality-wise. Okay. So I'm going to have you start. What's your uh, first of your top three picks? I've rediscovered something that I kind of dig. It's called Pop Clip. And it's a little app. I think it was two bucks when I bought it. And um, it, it basically puts the iOS cut copy um, selector on text on your Mac. So if you've got a file open in, for instance, ByWord, I'm opening it right now, you go and you select it, then as soon as you select the text, it gives you a little black bar and where you can cut, copy, paste, text. Just but like when you tap and hold on an iPhone. Exactly, yeah. but it does more. It's got this plug-in architecture. And like one of the things is when I start writing, because I do some stuff for Macworld, and I'm always on trying to stay within my word limit. And this gives you a word count when you select text. And I know that every you know text editor on the planet has that already, but this allows you to check just that paragraph, for instance. Or you can take the selected text and it can send it to an OmniFocus task or create an email from it. And it's all these just little plugins. Uh, so I had it, I bought it, like, I don't know, when it first came out. And it was fun for a little while, but never stuck. And then about a month ago, I re, you know, reinstalled it and I saw all these plugins and started adding them. And now I'm just using it all the time. It's called, it's called PopClip. Let me see here. How much does it cost? I should have known that before I got online. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I, I do that all the time. In fact, that's the only way I do it. And then it's always a challenge because um, if you've bought, and now it's four ninety nine. I might have paid less for it when I bought it, but you know it's worth forty nine. It's worth four ninety nine. Oh, I'm looking through these ext- extensions. Can you write your own extensions for it? Does it have an API? Uh, I don't know if anybody could. Brett Terpster could. <laughs> I'm really know. curious because I mean they've got things in there like the Google uh, Lucky, yeah. Lucky Search, and. Like I write services to do that stuff all the time, and to make it more accessible in that way, yeah, would be, it would be a blast. I would love. It's to like do almost that. another way into services. Yeah, well, it's like, actually it's like a more accessible way uh, for people, and and more uh, functional as well. I think. Like even some of your markdown services, you could plug into this. Absolutely. Like, well, if if there's an API, I would probably be able to turn all of my services into pop clip extension. It says right here, users with development experience can create their own extensions by following the developer documentation. That sounds to me like you're in business. Oh man, I'm totally picking this up and playing around with it. Pilot moon slash pop clip slash extensions. Wow. And they even have GitHub formatted documentation. It's like they use marked. Maybe they did. I would love to hear it if they did. Call me. Um, okay, so I'm going to, uh, not as a counterpoint, um, this is uh, completely separate, but uh, Joe Workman, who's been a guest on this show before, has a new I app know, out. I know Joe. He's a cool guy. He's a very cool guy. I like him yeah. a lot. And he sports that hat. He has an awesome hat. Yeah. <laughs> but he has a new app out. It's called My Nest. And uh, for anyone who owns a Nest thermostat, it puts the web interface in your menu bar and gives you full control of your Nest and scheduling functions and current temperature and all that fun stuff uh, with just a a quick click. And you don't have to pop up your iPhone, which is actually when you're sitting at your computer, it's less convenient 
to open your iPhone and change your thermostat than it is to just, you know, click your menu bar. So I'm finding it really handy. I just shut off the heat uh, before I started this podcast with it so that I wouldn't have the noise going on. That um, we just, that was my Father's Day thing, a Nest thermostat for the house. Do you love it? I love it. I mean, I never thought I could get so much joy from a thermostat. <laughs> I know. I know. I never thought I would enjoy one at all. I just bought the app, so I'm in. But the uh, we we were out of town over the weekend, and it's been it's hard to say this to you, Brett, but it was really hot here <laughs> over the weekend, and uh, I mean it was it was bizarrely hot for this late in the year, and so we were out of the house, and I looked in, and it was like 83 degrees inside my house, uh, and we were an hour away, so I just you know turned on the air conditioner, got home. It was great. Wait, so there's like an 83 above zero too. Yeah, there is. Crazy. It even goes higher if you look here. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen 80 below. I think that's like Mars, but I've seen 30 below. That's that's not right. Yeah, no, it really isn't. Human body's not designed for that. But yes, uh, I great developer and I'm sure it's a great app too. It's it's very it's elegant, yes. Yeah. And I love my nest so much. I have the like the V1 nest, but yeah, they came out. I mean, I got mine just recently, but they came out with a new version very recently. Yeah, but the, they were supporting the the new software and the older hardware. Yeah. and I mean, it's just not like something I'm going to upgrade. You know, yeah, like exactly. new iPad. You know, it's just you know, it's funny when you think about it. All this nerds like we can't wait to upgrade computers and <laughs> and iPads. But when's the last time you said, boy, you know, my refrigerator is. Um, you know, it's it still works okay, but I need the new one. You know, you don't do that, right? Yeah, yeah. See, my home automation equipment is still like X10 stuff from early early this decade. It's uh, well, last decade, I guess, or like 2001. And uh, it's uh, I've never needed to upgrade it because it works. Like, yeah, I have an iPhone 5 and an iPad 3, but my lights all run on X10. It's kind of Especially, especially like you said, with uh, appliances. Yeah. I can't imagine ever intentionally going out to buy a new washing machine. Yeah. We I mean, unless one broke. Yeah, exactly. All right. And, and it makes you wonder, as the computers and the mobile technology gets better, will it get to that point where it just becomes a true appliance, where you just get one and you don't even think about it until it breaks? I... I uh, would, would that be fun anymore? I don't know, but I could see it getting there. I could, I could see it getting there. Let Apple make my washing machine. I'll be, I'll be upgrading it though. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, you our number twos are they're they're um, doppelgangers. Uh, yes, warring factions in a very peaceful way. But go ahead and why don't you share yours? Uh, yeah, so mine is this little app I use because on my laptop, I'm a big user of full screen mode. I love the full screen mode on my laptop. And the uh, I'm always facing the problem of I've got a little piece of clip art or text or something and I want to take it from here to there without having to try and meticulously drag it across three screens and all that stuff that you do with a trackpad. So I have this app called Drag and Drop. Uh, D-R-A-G-O-N-D-R-O-P with no space. 
And all it does is you grab a, an object and you wiggle it, like wiggle it back and forth two or three times. And a little landing box opens up and you let go of it and drop it in there. And then it just stays there. And then you can move to whatever full screen or other app you want to. And then you can pull it out of that box and put it in your app. Like, for instance, Keynote is a good example. A lot of times I'll make a... Um, a graphic in OmniGraffle, and I'll save it out as a you know uh, as a PNG file without any back to it, and then I'll just drag and drop it from the desktop onto the drag and drop, and then I'll go into Keynote and I'll drop that graphic in. I love that; I use it all the time. So, my counterpoint to that would be Yoink. Yeah, and you've written about Yoink. I bought it when you wrote about it, but I never got my head wrapped around it. Okay, well. I'll give it a brief description, but then I want to hear what what you didn't get and what makes drag and drop different for you. Um, so Yoink has two modes of operation. One is very similar to drag and drop, where when you when you start to drag something, it pops up a window right near your cursor, and you can drop onto a palette there. Um, the way I use it is a, a drawer that slides in from the side of my screen, just a short little drawer. Um, so if I start dragging a file and I want to move it to another space or drop it in an application that isn't currently open, I can just drag it into that drawer, and it creates a stack. And I can stack as many files as I want in there and then pull them out uh, all at once or individually into their target destination. So whereas normally if I wanted to, um, say, pick up a file from my desktop, uh, start a reply email, and drop it in as an attachment, I can do that with... uh, with multi-touch gestures by flipping spaces and hitting, holding down my mouse while I hit command R and then dropping in the file. Yeah. Um, this but just in- inevitably it, something goes wrong. Right. And this yeah. just makes it way more foolproof. I can just put it in my stack and it stays there no matter what space I go to, no matter what application I've opened and I can just drag out. And that pretty much to me sounds exactly the same as what you're talking about. Yeah. So what part is, is different with drag and drop? Because I tried drag and drop too. Um, well, when I when I first tried Yoink, I don't recall if it was user error or they just didn't have the feature yet, where the window would open up right where your device is, right where your mouse is, and um, dragging it across the screen to put it in there felt really tedious to me. But as you've been talking here, I know I'm loading up Yoink, and they have a version two, which can yeah. tell you how long it's been and, since I used it. And the pop up by your mouse is a more recent feature. Yeah. So now it just it's just like drag and drop in that sense. Uh, does drag and drop let you like right click and operate on files in the um, in the stack? I don't know because I can I can quick look and uh, well I guess quick look and I can drag. That's that's what I've got. Yeah, I just closed drag and drop out to uh, to try yoink while we were talking here. Okay, so it's in there and. Um, you can quick look at it. Yeah, okay. Oh, maybe so, you can't. I don't know. I wonder but what yeah, you can't. differentiating factors are. Well, one thing I can see with Yoink that drag and drop doesn't have, to my knowledge, is the ability to put multiple items in. Oh, drag and drop does not have that? I don't think so. Because that's huge for me. Yeah, I don't want to misstate that. Because I've always used it so simply, Brett. I mean, it's just like one thing needs to get one other place. Sure, but when you're sorting files in Finder and you have a bunch that you want to copy but you're not done in your current window... Yeah, I get it. It's it's It adds, for me, like that's what I loved about Pathfinder. 
is I yeah. always had that stack where I could just collect files and operate them on them later. It adds that to Finder. So between Total Finder and Yoink, I don't have to run Pathfinder anymore. As much as I love Pathfinder, it just got to be too heavy. Um, but yeah, like that. I guess if that's the differentiating factor, then I'm a Yoink guy. Yeah, I may be too. <laughs> Not too. I uh, think you've converted me. I don't know. I'm gonna have to play. I'm gonna use it a week. Let me just see, and I'll tell you if I run into a problem. But like, I never really thought that multiple items was a problem, but I could see how it could be a benefit. Do you know offhand what the cost is for drag and drop? Uh, let's see here. I can tell you. So I can tell you, I bought Yoink a long time ago. Whenever you start, and then there was one called Dropstone too for a while. I was trying to play with. Oh, drop Dropstone's entirely different, but. Yeah, okay. I would actually, if I haven't already made drops on a pick of the week, I think I have. But if I haven't, it will be. There's so many of these things. It, you know, it's really remarkable how developers now can actually make a living on these little utility apps because, really oh. because of this app store. Yeah, drag and yeah. drop is four ninety nine. Oh, and Yoink is two ninety nine. Uh-oh. I win. I think you do. <laughs> I, I'm going to try it for a little while. I'll, I'll let you know if I run any problems, but... To me, dragging it across the screen to get it to the side—that was a big deal for me because that, you know, that defeats the purpose. I I don't use a mouse with my laptop. I'm really good with the trackpad. I'm I'm really good with the gestures, um, or I like to think I am. But you know, moving stuff around—I use three finger drag to move stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, moving it a long distance gets tedious. Yeah, I think the only reason I don't use three finger drag more is because I already assigned all those features to like turning lights and on and off. Yeah. <laughs> if I start yeah, three finger dragging. I'd like, I'd like to see a list of all of your um your trackpad macros. Yeah, people have asked, but so many of them are so proprietary there. <laughs> you 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 would view them only for amusement. They would not be of use to anybody right. because they trigger things like op shift command F sixteen. Yeah, but which that would be turns so on amusing. my lights. And that would be so amusing. It is. It's it's amusing even to me. In, in, in so far as insanity is amusing. All right. What do we got next? I think it's your turn, right? I think, was I going to talk about a movie? I don't know. What's okay. your number three? You know, I'll tell you a number three I'm kind of interested in. So I have two kids, 15 and 10. Actually, now 16 and 11. They just had a series of birthdays. And now having been a parent of children for 16 years, my ability to deal with children's movies has just... Every year got worse. I just, you know, when I was my oldest was young, I'd go see whatever she wanted to see, and now I can barely stand most movies. And I don't know if they got worse or I just got less tolerant. But uh, there's a movie coming out that my 11 year old wants to go see, and I went and looked into it, and I'm interested. It's called Wreck It Ralph. So, you, and you you said you hadn't heard of this. Before. I haven't. Can you spell that first word for me? Yeah, like Wreck W R E C K. Huh. And it's 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 by Disney. Wait, is that the video game one? Yes. Oh, I yeah. do remember that preview. So I am a. I have to admit, you know, I just got done panning children's movies, but I'm a huge Pixar nerd. I love the Pixar movies, and I just think they're really good. And it's like, in a lot of ways, it's my inspiration for the field guide books. I write is I want them to be like Pixar movies. I want them to tell a good story and use good technology and make be fun for people. But the uh, so Pixar makes these great movies. Well, you know, um, 
the guy at Pixar is also the guy in charge at Disney because of that merger between the two companies. And this looks like the first Disneyfied kind of Pixar movie. You know, it's set in video game world, and Wreck It Ralph is, I think, kind of the equivalent of Donkey Kong. You know, the game looks very yeah. simple, and uh, and he's tired of being the villain all the time, and decides to leave his game. And it looks it looks really interesting to me. I saw a preview, and I told my daughter, I said, "Okay, Dad's in for this one." So I'm kind of excited about that. I do I do recall seeing that and and finding it intriguing. I have to admit, when you first said it, I thought you said Ricketts Ralph. Yeah. Which was going to be a weird, like, old-timey uh, uh, skin <laughs> disease kind of... What is Ricketts? It's not shingles. It's different. I, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. <laughs> no, but that one looked great. That one reminded me of uh, the sense of humor I found in How to Train Your Dragon. I think that's what That was called. another kids movie that I really enjoyed. I, what, what blew me away about that movie is my, my wife works in animal behavior. So I'm familiar with all kinds of horse, dog, feline, uh, I shouldn't say dog and feline, I should say either canine and feline or dog and cat, but, uh, but we're, I'll just ignore that. Um, but the behavior and the, the body language and the signals and the way that they created the dragon in that movie. And the gestures they gave it and the, the eye aversion and the head tilt and all of these things that are classic animal behavior signs were accurate. And it was hilarious to watch how, I mean, I don't think, I, I think the layperson would look at it and, and just recognize, yeah, that's how, you know, an animal would react. But if you know some of the, the more like uh, detailed signs, signals that, that animals give off. And people, uh, it was just fascinating to watch. They put a lot of thought into that. It was fun. Yeah, I I, I thought that was a really good movie, and it it wasn't even Pixar. <laughs> I'm biased, right? I, I I I don't know how anyone could not like Pixar. Is there? Have you ever met anyone who does not like Pixar? Not really, but I, I don't really get into it with people much. But I was just telling a guy the other day. He says, "Oh, I've never seen any of those movies," and. And I was telling you, you should really watch like The Incredibles. He's like, "That's a kids' movie." I'm like, "No, that's a that's a movie about a guy's mid- midlife crisis." <laughs> well, that's, the best thing about a good kids' movie is that it's not really just a kids' movie. Yeah, like it's the kind everything's veiled enough that kids won't walk out of there going, "Mommy, what's a?" But at the same time, adults get all the jokes. That's uh, that's vital to me. I don't have kids. Everyone knows I don't have kids. I say that all the time, but I love kids' movies. Good ones, anyway. Well, if I didn't have kids, I probably wouldn't have discovered uh, some of these Pixar movies. But also, it seems to me like when my oldest was very young, they were still cartoons. They weren't 3D movies. Right. And and it seems to me, well, those were, a lot of those were pretty bad, too, but... With the 3D movies came the real you know influx of these gag movies where... It's a very, very thin storyline with a lot of of goofy Slaps. gags. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just can't take it. I just can't sit through it. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. You see that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that one I loved. I saw that, that one twice, actually. My, um, my daughter's name Sam Sparks. 
And she's the newscaster. She was in junior high at the time. She did the morning news every day at the school. So you can imagine, you know, when that came out. I don't know if you'll remember <laughs> the reference, but my cat is actually named Steve mostly because of that movie. Oh, really? <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I can see you doing that. Yeah. Steve. Steve. Anyway, um, should I go ahead and do my third pick then? Yeah, go for it. All right. There's a new game that has actually taken up more of my time than Monsters Ate My Condo or Super Monsters Ate My Condo. And it's Letterpress from Lauren Brichter. Um, it is. It's It's like uh, social... Well, saying social boggle is kind of stupid because boggle is social. But this you play with individual people over Game Center. And if you if you pay the price, I think it's 99 cents for the premium version, you can play as many games at once as you want. So I have this like racked up queue of challengers that that I play like uh, you basically you have a five by five letter grid and you play words and you can steal letters and the when the grid is filled out like when you use the last letter whoever has the most points racked up wins and it it can it can be infuriating uh when you go back and forth with someone so many times and all you need to do is spell the letter or spell the word key like qi but you have to have enough points racked up so that when you play qi it's going to you know, leave you ahead and it's, Oh, it can go on forever. But most of the time it's just really fun, uh, kind of word nerd exercises. And it has consumed my free time. Every time I take a break when I would normally go get a cup of coffee, I'm playing letterpress. So how many word games, uh, ultimately come down to someone playing QI, but not knowing what it means. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I mean- it's like the go-to in Words with Friends and Scrabble. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's here, right? Well, so I, I downloaded this game, and I need to I need to like play with it. I I have the best of intentions when I download games to my iOS devices, and I never make good on it. I just never have time to like get into these things. But you, I assume then that you don't game anywhere. Um, yeah, I I have. I, I used to play. Um, Years ago, I, I got hooked on a uh, MMORPG on yeah. Star Wars. It was, um, what was it called? Uh, Galaxies, Star Wars Galaxies. Okay. I played that for like two or three months intensely. <laughs> it's just like took over my life, you know? Have you, I don't know if you ever played one of those MMORPGs. I have not. I have. It's like crack, you know? So yeah, I had mines. I had mines so I could make money so I could go buy guns and stuff. And one day, I was driving home from work thinking I had to get home because I have to move my minds. The oars have dried up, you know, <laughs> and then I, I heard myself saying it and I said, I have to get home so I can cancel my Star Wars Galaxy. <laughs> and I went home and did it. Yeah. Canceled it. That was it, man. I was done. Then yeah. one of my friends said, um, oh, you got to try um, World of Warcraft. I'm like, hell no. I'm not in that <laughs> at all. I, I watched marriages dissolve over that stuff. I uh, yeah. I pretty much went from Atari twenty six hundred to nothing to iOS games, and iOS was the platform I found where I could pick up and put down a game. Like, well, th- those are very similar platforms when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, they really are. I, I was like you. I was a twenty six hundred player. I I used to love this game called Adventure, where I was a dot. Yeah. Did you ever play the adventure yeah. game? Yeah. That was that was awesome. You had to go to the castle, fight the dragon. Uh-huh. But your character was a dot. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know if you ever like back on the PC Junior, I used to enjoy games like um Zile, which was a text based role playing game. Like no images at all. Yeah. And like, like that Zork stuff was fun this. for me. That was the closest I ever got to an MMO. Like the original MMOs where you'd play on BBSs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then like I had one brief stint in college where I played uh Super Mario Kart had just come out. And I started playing it and I didn't go to class for two days. Because yeah, I was good. obsessed with it. And that's when I, I kinda I gave up gaming for years after that. Yeah. And uh but iOS has opened up this whole like I can just pick up a game of super super monster at my condo and I can play for sixty seconds and I can put it down and go back to work. So it allows you to do it with moderation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really fun things I can just pick up and get into instantly and then put down and forget about. Yeah, I, I uh I got hooked on Plants vs. Zombies. Oh yeah, I went through that. It took me a while to get through that one, but that's that's like a great travel game when you sit in an airport or whatever. Oh, that's when they're the best when you have to like waiting room. Yeah, yeah. My and the field runners. I got hooked on field runners. I know there's a new one out. I haven't played that one yet. New field runners. Yeah, there's a field runners two out now. Oh, I saw uh, that. I haven't played it yet. But I'm like you. I, I really like a lot of the retro games, like you know Atari and um, even like there were like. Joust and those oh, okay. kinds of games. I'm always a sucker for those. Someone told me that uh, Vectrix, I think it was called Vectrix. Remember that Vector Graphics um, game system? I we were kids. Don't remember. No. Uh, maybe I'm a little older than you, but it, it was a really fun game system, and it was vector graphics instead of pixels, and it had these little plastic inserts you put <laughs> oh, no. over. Just, Did you hear that? I just accepted your friend request on Game Center and then yeah. heard it through my headphone. That's awesome. Oh, I, I, you're my first friend in Game Center. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm honored. Just, I'm honored. I've done this stuff. But anyway, so they, they're they coming out with an iPad app, I heard, Vetrix. And Have I'm you? like, I'm going to be in with that one. I can't remember what it's called because I didn't end up keeping it. But there was a, a, an Atari emulator that came out for iOS recently. Atari Greatest Hits. Atari has one. Called Atari Greatest Hits. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Of. I think it's got a bunch it, of the Activision games in it. It had and, a word that meant collection. It was like Pantheon yeah. or collection or something. Yeah. Pitfall Harry, and I was in there. Yeah, I was at the very beginning of that stuff, and you know, my we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so I got the Atari 2600, and my parents were like, okay, you're good, you know. <laughs> <laughColecoVision> and then Intellivision came out, and ColecoVision and like you know that they're like no no eight years ago we bought you Atari twenty six hundred so you're good and so well, I got really good at the Atari twenty six hundred games you know yeah well I I got my twenty six hundred at a garage sale for twenty five dollars when it was probably already four years old yeah like yeah. I, my parents never wanted to to get me a video game system so yeah. that was all on me but um, I also I got a twenty eight hundred too but I never found the games available for the twenty eight hundred. Yeah. I can't remember if they were backwards compatible or not. I don't. I don't. Remember. But uh, I was but, good. I had the twenty six hundred. Yeah, I, I stuck. <laughs> I stuck with the twenty six hundred. Yeah. I had a box of games. I I sold them all for fifty bucks at some point. But I had like a hundred some games. Yeah, they were fun. Plus, I had an EEPROM writer. Oh man, you see, you were already a hacker. <laughs> Did you, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there was one called 
bachelorette party, which was like um, like an R-rated 8-bit Space Invaders <laughs> with breasts. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a I'm good. over a cold here. You're killing me. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought I hit the cough button. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I broke my cough button already. <laughs> but it's anyway. funny because I, I have girls and the video games they like to play because we do have an Xbox. Um, they really get into the uh, like rock band and the dancing games and stuff like that. Sure. So they, they want to do active stuff. Except my older girl, um, Sam, she got into Call of it was not Call of Duty. Uh, you know the one. What's the most popular game with, with the you know the first person shooter? Well, I forget what it is, yeah, but I don't it, know. it's That's one not... of these where you know you run around Modern Warfare, I think. Okay. So so she got into it, but she doesn't like to play online because none of us are any good. But she likes to play <laughs> me because she knows she can beat me. So I get these text messages at work once in a while from my daughter. It says, "Can I blow you up tonight?" <laughs> can I shoot you? And then I text back, well, did you clean your room? Yeah, I cleaned my room. Okay, then you can shoot me. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. fun. Whatever you do, right? I have to say that the uh, the preview that are out right now for Bioshock Infinity have me ready to go start platform gaming again. Have you yeah. seen these? No, you know, and I just don't keep up with it, Brett. I mean... I mean, I like I was talking about earlier, saying no to stuff. Games went out a long time ago right, for me. Right, and I'm with you, but this is what may draw me back in. Yeah. Uh, look up the look up the Bioshock Infinity preview on YouTube. Even if you never play it, which I may not, it is a great preview. It's 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 like what uh, game previews these days are so much like actual movie previews that yeah. And they're using like in-game engines to make them. Mm-hmm. It's not like rendered stuff like in our day, right? Craziness. Our day, <laughs> the world has passed us by. Bi- Bioshock Infinite is that it? In- Infinity, I think. It might be just Infinite. I could be old. I could be crazy. All right, I'll check it out. All right. Um, I don't know a bio. That's a game. That's a that's like a. I'm aware of it. It's like a um, series of games. Yeah, there's been a one and a two, and I actually own both of them as part of package deals, but I have never opened either of them. Well, I want to play this game that Syracuse keeps going on about. Which one's that? Uh, he just wrote about it in the magazine. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's for PlayStation. It's not for Xbox. Oh, that's too bad. Maybe I should get a PlayStation. Anyway, no, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna jump to uh, to our sponsor three and talk about Shopify, which is a hosted e-commerce solution that allows you to set up and run your own online store in minutes. Pick a template, add your products, pick your payment processor from PayPal, Stripe, or Authorize.net, and ship your stuff with just a few clicks. With Shopify, it's easy to sell online, and there's no software to download, host, upgrade, or maintain. Pick from over 100 professionally designed e-commerce templates or create your own with full control over the HTML and CSS. There are no bandwidth limits and no need to worry about scaling when your store becomes popular. And every Shopify store is level 1 PCI DSS compliant and totally secure. All you need is something to sell. Visit Shopify.com slash 5x5 and you'll get three months free. Check them out today. And 
David Sparks. You are available on Twitter. I should say you are found on Twitter as Max Sparky. Yeah. If you, you just go to MaxSparky.com, it points at everything I do. That makes life so much easier. Are you on app.net? I am as at Max Sparky there too. Max Although Sparky. I still haven't, I'm not using it. At, you know, it's tough having another thing. I, yeah, I've separated. I've begun like technical nerdy posts go to app.net, random things about my cat or uh, funny things that I think that my wife doesn't think are funny, but I think other people will enjoy it. That goes to Twitter. Okay. I have a lot of those. I had a little crisis today. I did a, a tweet about Johnny Ive taking skeuomorphism behind the barn and hitting it in the head with a unibody shovel. <laughs> and, you know, because he's in charge of UI now, right? So <laughs> I'm thinking that's what he's going to do with it. And I'm like, oh, man, that would have been a good app.net post. And now I'm feeling guilty about yeah, it. Because you don't want to cross but, post, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, I me can't. Either. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know how it all fits. Yeah, that's the problem with this stuff is you, you get too much of it and then you just stop doing it. Right, because you're spending too much time trying to figure out what goes where. Yeah, when it really should just go. That was the whole point to begin with. Journey. That's the name of the Syracuse game. Just came. To oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, he talks about it all the time on Hypercritical. That shows how much I listen to everything that goes on around me. It's all right. He called me out. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You're a busy guy. You're going to be making screencasts about regular expressions. I can't wait to see the first one. It'll be called Regex. Uh, I had a name. I don't know. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, you can find everything you need about David Sparks at maxsparky.com. And I am uh, Scoff on Twitter and app.net. I blog at brettterpstra.com. And this has been episode 16 of Systematic. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, David, for being here. And we'll see you all in a week.